Handy History Teaching Tips, blogs in a conversational style. Handy History Teaching Tips are conversational podcasts designed to help history teachers with tips, examples and ideas about history teaching. Sally Thorne, that's me, is a head of department and senior examiner. Helen Snelson was a head of department and now trains history teachers. Between us, we have more years classroom history teaching experience than we are going to admit here. Both of us regularly write resources and present at conferences. We are proudly history specific and practical in our approach. Our hope is that this podcast will become something of a problem page for history teachers. Think of Helen and I as your agony aunts. If you're wrestling with something particularly tricky and need some help, drop us an email at handyhistoryteachingtips at gmail.com or tweet us. I'm at Mrs Thorne and Helen is at Snelson H. And we will see what we can cook up between us. Hello, this conversation is part of the series All Things Saucy, Top Tips to Help Students Use Sources as Evidence. And this week's podcast is about top tips for putting together a really effective source collection to use in an inquiry. Hi, Sally. Um, Hi. Yeah, putting together source collections is certainly an art. Um, a really good one, though, can set up and underpin an excellent inquiry. So where do you start? Well, I think you're going nowhere unless you've really clearly decided what the learning should be about a topic. Um, and that learning framed into an, into an inquiry question can then shape the lesson planning and that source collection because you'll be selecting something um, with a question in mind. Now, I wrestle a lot with my inquiries and it often takes me a teach through of a unit to really nail down what I want the question to be. And um, sometimes they change year on year as I read more and I understand the topic better. Um, I'd have given up trying to make anything perfect before I teach it or I'd still be teaching the same things I was doing in 2003. But anyway, curriculum planning is for a future episode and what I do try to do is um, ensure that I've got the sources and the readings I need for an inquiry before we start teaching it um, at least my aim is always to have more than I think I'm going to need so that I can select from them um, so that there's no scrabbling around the week or the day before the lesson yeah it's, and, and so let's take um Let's take the topic of Napoleon then. So I want my student Sally to to learn about how he was viewed by contemporaries. Okay, so you could ask reactions to Napoleon. Uh, what do they reveal about his impacts? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we've got a good working inquiry question there. If we then gathered pictures from the official portraits across his reign, um, the cartoonists in Britain and elsewhere, pictures yeah. of him in the office maybe as well. Um, on the battlefield with people, that one about him after his defeat where he looks really dejected would be good as well. Then if we gathered all those together as a source collection, students would be able to discern the diversity of responses to a complex man immediately from looking at images. Yeah, and, and I think that would be great and if you had them dated and it was like clear where they were from and then the source collection could kind of develop an understanding of change over time and difference from place to place so I'm imagining like a nice looking rise and fall timeline to show how the sources paint a picture of his story or a mapping exercises where the sources are pinned to different countries so that you can see how different people reacted to him yeah, yeah. So we're definitely going to need a good amount of provenance for each source in a source collection as well, aren't we? Just not one line for this sort yeah. of thing. 
Yeah, definitely. One line of provenance is rarely enough to support using a source as evidence for an inquiry. Um, and the more you can provide, especially at Key Stage 3, the more you students will get to seeing it, reading it and, um, and using it. And then it should start to come naturally as they get older. Yeah, because kids just skipping over the provenance is, is, well, positively disastrous once you get to exam level. Um, so what do we think students should learn or would learn from a set of such sources? Mm, so mm, in, I think in this case, um, I think they'd learn about the complexity of reaction to Napoleon um, and how it changed over time and according to place. Um, so the provenance could be written to give the necessary context. You could just pick and choose. Um, and the final result then could be an explanatory narrative to answer the question. So in light of the fact that this might get one lesson as context to understanding later 18th and early 19th century, heading into the Great Reform Act, causes, um, this collection is going to have to be coherent, but it's going to have to work really hard for us. Yeah, that'd be interesting though, wouldn't it? And and so I think tip one from us today so far is to make sure there's a really clear inquiry question to to shape a source collection and, and that then that source collection is so well chosen that it's going to do a lot of work for us. Yes, yeah. And I think, yeah, a really, a, even if it's just a working inquiry question, have an inquiry question. And um, then tip two is to make sure that you think about a checklist of things that might be relevant so that the source collections you present to students represent as much of the past as possible. Mm. Right. So can we put that list together then, that uh that checklist yeah now I think this this needs to be a, a wish list of ideals because time is precious and it can take a long time to build up a great collection definitely something to share within departments or across networks I think but um, I'd start with does the collection give the sense that over 50% of the people in the past were women <laughs> yes good point and that's as true of most war zones as anywhere else got so grumpy with the Peter Jackson film um, well mm. lack of anybody that wasn't white and male for the main part as far as I could see um, so um, also I guess is the source collection representing all the people we know to have been there so not just white not just able-bodied not just rich yeah 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 and um, and also sources produced by a range of voices, if it's if if possible, I think is really important. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, sources that cover a really good range of themes, so political, social, economic, that are relevant to a period. Yeah, you know, there are some really good source collections already online. I mean, I can immediately think of some if you go to. Um, historiana.eu they've started oh, yeah. putting source collections together now not all of them are relevant to a UK context but a lot of them are because you made the very good point that it takes time to put a really good source collection together uh, but they've been really trying to collect sources together which are transnational multi-perspective um, so yeah taking some help from other people is is a good one here yeah and I think um, that that's the Historiana ones are great too because um, it's kind of related to tip three which is that a great source collection is always greater than the sum of its parts um, so that there's opportunities to cross-reference those sources and um, to learn more and I think that you know you can see um, in a good source collection what's one that's been well put together that there are opportunities to do that and um, I'm definitely showing my age here and possibly given over to a fit of nostalgia but I still go back to the old OCR source papers um, from the old GCSE specification that 
I used to teach. So that was um, OCR. I think it was OCRA, the SHP one. Um, they're so carefully put together towards an overarching question, you know, because they I guess they have to be because it's, you know, it's a national exam. So you can do some really good inference work with them. Um, and that leaves students feeling like they've uh, they've read a, a good deal more than they actually have. I think they really feel like they've got a mental workout. Um, and if you know you can print them out, cut them up, match them to corroborating or opposing arguments. You can look at sources in pairs. You can separate them from the provenance and ask students to match them back up. You know, who do you think? You know, what sort of uh, argument would this person have made? That sort of thing. I just think they're fantastic, and they're still available um, on the OCR website if you search for the legacy GCSE spec. So I've uh, just been looking at the Black Death one from 2014 that I'm going to use with Year Seven and Year Ten this term. A just really helpful collection. Oh, that's a really good tip. Get getting different sorts of collections and they're going to give such a good sense of period and place as well and that provides wider as well as specific knowledge on a topic doesn't it yeah definitely and uh, so the other thing that I've been doing is looking through the old SHP A-level textbook on Russia um, in pursuit of some sources on Stalin's economic policies for year nine and um, those books are just fantastic the range of sources uh, you know they must have taken hours and hours days to put together um, so the overarching focus of my unit is the consequences of the Russian Revolution and I wanted enough sources to give out that some students come to the conclusion that the five-year plans are a success while others say it's a failure so it's a bit like the old mystery lessons that end with kind of a nice good debate at the end forces students to use the evidence to argue with each other makes them apply their knowledge and think about you know that their wider contextual knowledge of the 1930s in Russia so the collection I found in this book had everything I wanted and there's lots of eyewitness accounts from party officials and workers as well as production statistics um, that are so rich if students are supported in working through them. And when you bung the whole lot together, the picture painted isn't just of the five year plans, but also of the nature of Stalin's dictatorship, the nature of Soviet propaganda and the conditions that people found themselves in. You just they, you can draw so much from them. I feel like it's it's like historical jokes. Um, you can you can tell so much from a historical joke that you wouldn't expect from such a brief source, you know, because it gives you such an insight. Yeah, that's that's really perceptive. And I think you've got that as well with the example of Napoleon, too. You know, I don't just want to waste the chance um, by just talking about Napoleon, because I can introduce students at the same time to the names of Gilroy and to classical painters such as Gro and, and Gerard. And, you know, these are names where, OK, they're not mainstream, but it's all part of that becoming a knowledgeable person, that cross-curricular work, that wider cultural knowledge, which is, yeah, which is powerful. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's great. I I agree. Such a good, yeah, so so important to kind of give them as much of the past as possible and also to ourselves. I think this is kind of related to our tip for this week, isn't it? Yeah, certainly, because it's still January. Um, so how do we keep going? Um, top tip this time, we think well-being, get out, find a history event to cheer you up. Find your local HA branch. Maybe they're doing a lecture. Maybe your local university, if you're close, has got a public lecture programme or spin down those um pod history podcasts lists oh, yeah, and uh, yeah. binge binge some podcasting or pop to a museum your, your favorite museum to g you back up a bit and um well yeah. what are you going to do sal in relation to that well we're, we're doing a history rich kennett and i are doing a, a history um pub quiz 
next Tuesday in Bristol. So if you're in in the Bristol area, come and and kind of um, tempt yourself with our history pub quiz. Get, like get get your uh, history knowledge firing. Obviously, it'll be extremely difficult, but um, all welcome. Um, so yeah, that's what I I always find those events really refreshing. Obviously, it's easy for me because I know the answers to all the questions. But it is. <laughs> I'm so far from Bristol. However, I hear you're going to do the same again for the May uh, HA uh, conference, aren't you? Ah, it's yes. going to be a pub quiz on the Thursday night for any early conference attenders. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, that'll yeah. anybody coming down on the Thursday definitely pub quiz. We'll just pick out all the most difficult questions because obviously it's going to be the biggest nerds. That okay, the- <laughs> start swatting up now. Right. <laughs> Good to talk to you. Take care. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Bye.